Welcome to the Growing Hope podcast. Growing Hope is a charity providing free therapy for children and young people with additional needs and their families in partnership with local churches across the UK. Growing Hope aims to grow hope for children, hope for families and hope in Jesus. This conversational podcast is based on interviews with Growing Hope therapists, giving practical tips, strategies and insight into their field of expertise. It's hosted by Amy Hobbs, speech and language therapist. Welcome. Thank you for listening. I am Amy. I am joined by Georgie, who works as a music therapist for Growing Hope and also a special education needs school in West Ryslip. She trained as a music therapist at Roehampton University and formerly worked as a full-time musician after training at the Royal College of Music. Welcome, Georgie. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me. Great to be with you. (laughs) Yeah, what an incredible field you're in. So you are a music therapist and you trained musically. Do you play any instruments? I do, yeah. So I trained at the Royal College of Music um, on the viola. So I did a a performance degree for four years there, um, just on the viola. But I I also play the violin and the guitar and a bit of the piano and sing and things. So anything I can get my hands on, I'll I'll give it a go. Um, but yeah wow very musical then you this really is uh, an amazing field um can you tell us a bit about music therapy because I think we're we've all encountered music and love music but how does music yeah. therapy work and you know what do you look at who do you help what sort of things do you do great question yeah I often get asked this of like what is music therapy? <laughs> I think people think it could be all sorts of different things. Um, but yeah, for me, the way I describe it is it's, it's really like counselling or psychotherapy. But apart, rather than using words, you're mainly using music as a way of expressing emotions um, or things that are, you know, sometimes really hard to express. So it's using that creativity and it's my job as the therapist to provide a space um, for the client, whether that's yeah. the child, whether that's the parent, whether, you know, whoever that is, provide a space for them and we'll improvise musically. So we'll play together. That may yeah. be a hello song, a goodbye song, and then improvise play in the middle. Um, okay. And through that, we'll build a relationship the two of us, the three of us, whoever is in in the room will build a musical relationship um, and that's where the change can happen. Um, So we'll have different aims for each child, whether it's really practical aims like um, turn-taking or listening to someone else um, or whether it's emotional aims around um, expressing emotions um, and giving them a space to do that uh, really safely. How incredible. Um, that sounds yeah. like such an important and and useful way to tap into, you know, to achieve those goals and um, get people's attention and creativity stimulated yeah. through music. Um, what would you say to somebody who says they're not musical? Um, I don't know if you if this is something you encounter often, but I mean, I've heard lots of people yeah. say, oh, no, I, I am tone deaf or I'm not musical. Is music therapy still able to work with people like that? Or what, what do you say 100%. to those people? Yeah, definitely. I, I think because it's therapy, there's no right or wrong. 
So there's, mm. it's not a lesson. It's not um, a place to kind of come and, and necessarily learn how to play an instrument, although that might become part of it. But yeah. initially, it's it's very much a space for anyone just to come and you know we've got all sorts of instruments that anyone can play we've got some you know drums and xylophones and all sorts of things and I think even if you yeah whether you're musical or not I think music therapy or some form of creative therapy um, can be really really helpful definitely that's amazing and do you work often with uh, because I've also heard a lot about art therapy do you ever work with art therapists um yeah I did well so um at the school I work at um there's a big creative therapy team um and there are drama therapists um and dance movement psychotherapists um so we I do quite a few joint sessions which we call creative therapy um so there might be kind of a group of children um two or three children with myself as the music therapist and another you know drama therapist and we'll work together using our different modalities um to work together uh, which I find so fascinating because I I learned so much from from the other therapists and the way that way that they work with the children. Um, so yeah, wow. co working I think is really can be such an important part of the your journey as a therapist. Wow, I'm I've, I'm feeling a little bit jealous of uh, that. Music is so um, creative and it's so broad that uh, it will that most people will be interested in it. And I know I I work with kids as well, and it feels yeah. like the moment you start okay. um, with movement and and uh, dance and music, it's something they're immediately interested yeah. in and really uh, stimulated oh, by. Totally. And it must just be such fun. I imagine your sessions being really fun. Yeah, sometimes they're fun. Sometimes <laughs> they're really intense. <laughs> okay. Depends. Depends on the child and what they bring to the session. And mm. there's a lot of play. It's, it might also be worth saying that actually, yeah, the sessions are very child-led as well. So rather than okay. um, a kind of lesson setting where it's, um, you know, this very kind of task orientated. Uh, yeah. it, sometimes the sessions are very free and yeah. will follow what the child is wanting to do and it's very yeah. much their space to do what they want with it um mm. so although we you know I might have a few structures in mind um yeah. maybe a turn-taking song or you know something a what's in the box song to kind of yeah. um, get them thinking and get them intrigued and creative um thinking creatively it's very much child-led and child-focused mm. Um, which I think, especially for children with special needs, um, yeah. can be quite a different experience for them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a really unique uh, and important um, yeah, space for a lot of children. Wow. And you working in um, a, a special needs school and in Growing Hope, how is growing your work in Growing Hope and that clinic, how is it different uh, to, you know, a school setting, for example, or other settings that you've worked in? What does that look like? Yeah, so there, I mean, there are lots and lots of similarities, but there are definitely uh, quite a few differences. So um, the the work I do with Growing Hope, I always have either a parent or a carer with the child in the therapy yeah um so the child which has pros and cons it's so brilliant to see you know see the child in the context of that child parent or carer relationship Um, and can actually be really helpful in aiding them to access the therapy as well because you know the parent or carer knows that child so much better than I do yeah and actually they're able to to be that bridge I guess between us at the beginning 
Um, whereas in the school, it's very much just me and the child or me and a few children um, in the therapy. And I check in with parents along the way and we'll have meetings along the way. Um, but interesting, actually, in, in lockdown, because of not being able to be at work, all the sessions were on Zoom and I had to have a parent present with with the child in all of the sessions. Yeah, so school and growing hope. Yeah, so that was really interesting. And I think actually we're probably going to um, change aspects of how we work at school to include parents um, more in the work. Um, that aspect of parent engagement is that really important to like your sessions and and working with the child totally yeah because you know a child can can progress and learn and and develop in certain ways in therapy and actually if there's not a parent or a carer at home that's seen that and is able to continue implementing that at home it can be that, you know, those skills or the, that journey that they've been on can then potentially not continue at home if the parent's not on board mm. and not present mm. in the therapy. Um, it's, yeah. you know, but, but then again, at school, that, you know, there are pros and cons because actually if, if a child has experienced um, a really intense trauma or bereavement or, what, you know, whatever it is, and actually they, they want a space just for them, to express that and to yeah. explore that safely um, it also can be really beneficial having having a space just for therapist and child um, without the parent present it's, it's so dependent it's so case by case yeah um, I think more often than not it's helpful to have the parents um, involved in some way yeah that's a really versatile model that, you know, where it is so useful to have families and parents or carers involved. And sometimes, mm. you know, when you when you need to or when it's more beneficial to just see the child one on one, um, you know, that yeah. creative creativity and that um, music therapy can uh, yeah, just be so versatile with kiddies. Mm. Um, totally. What what drew you to work at Growing Hope? Yeah, good question. So I um, I joined KXC, the church, King's Cross Church, um, and I don't know, about a year and a half ago now? Yeah, a year okay. and a half. And I heard about Growing Hope and I was like, oh, what is this? I'm interested, interested by intrigued, this charity. Yeah. So I think I looked, yeah, intrigued, looked on the website. I think I watched a video of Naomi explaining the vision um, and her heart behind it and um, I just was yeah so captivated by the yeah. idea of providing free therapy and also bringing faith into it that you know that's really rare in a therapy setting in the UK yeah. um, to be a kind of obviously Christian charity um, yeah. and to be given the chance to to offer prayer to families um, yeah. within sessions and if they're if they're wanting it and if they're open to that um and yeah. share some of you know my faith with them if they're again if they're open to that um yeah. is very unique and yeah I, yeah as a Christian I just I really felt that that would be such a positive um 
experience and, and something to be a part of. It is such a different model to what you, you know, you might normally find in a school or in a medical setting to be able to also yeah. um, you know, engage with families um, and on a spiritual level and emotional level. You mentioned that you work with a lot of kiddies and young people specifically. Is that um, all school aged or like uh, nursery school aged children? What kind of children do you see in your in your therapy sessions? Yeah, a real mix. So with Growing Hope, I have had children as young as four um, and then up to children. Uh, I think the eldest I have was 15. Okay. Um, and then in school, I have um, the school's really broad age range. So um, it goes from kind of nursery reception age yeah. up to post-16. So there are some 18, 19 year olds at the school. Okay. So it's yeah, it's broad. It's really broad. Um, yeah. But it's it's all un, under under 19 okay um and over three kind of in that age bracket (laughs) (laughs) that is quite a broad range and do you see I mean children and only children with special needs or additional needs or some children in mainstream as well um so in the school yeah it's just a special needs school so um it's all kind of mild learning difficulties and all the children have some form of um needs additional needs um, whereas with Growing Hope, I've worked with a few children who are mainstream but have more mental health um, problems and things they're working through. Um, and actually, I, I think creative therapy is often particularly helpful for, for children when they've experienced something that yeah. they can't express in words. Um, but for adults, even, you know, it's, it's so you, we might f- be feeling something, have these big emotions, but we're not really sure how to express them or how to put words around that feeling. And actually, I think the real beauty of, of creative therapy and music therapy is um, that it's a space where they can try and express those emotions in another way. Um, and I think, yeah, especially yeah for mental health um, issues, that can often be such a powerful experience to, to be able to to write a song about how you're feeling or to bang a drum and have someone be there with you and meet you in that in that place um be a really life-changing experience I imagine this is something that a lot of people would relate to I mean I I feel like most of us at some point you know can express our feelings or um at least listen to music you know to to sort of um mimic or you know what we what we're feeling or our mood or express our emotions so I imagine this is something that most people would you know relate to um deeply uh feeling that expression Mm. or that let go or release in in some kind of musical (laughs) engagement um yeah and so working with these kiddies with um you know who might be experiencing some emotional uh challenges or uh and and mainstream and or children with additional needs as well uh, do you find that there's some mm-hmm. common things that they or common challenges that they might face uh, or that you see really often that you could speak to or is every child or every case really unique I think yeah every child is so unique there's there's always something that's different about them and a, and a, a unique and special way that they've um, been made and designed um, but I think especially with children with autism there are yeah, there are definitely traits. There are things that are sometimes um, obvious that uh, that kind of pop up, especially for for me as a music therapist, looking looking at a child coming into a room who's 
for autism and actually being aware of their emotional mm. landscape, their emotional world. And often they are very much in their own world. They're very, very much un unaware of what might be going on around them and for other people around them. Um, and that's something that we definitely um, can, can work towards in, in music therapy, bringing that kind of awareness of others and other people's emotions. Um, and they also yeah, could often have very kind of repetitive ways of playing mm. and a kind of lack of creativity. But then some autistic children are really, really creative and love play. And it's just, yeah, every child is yeah. so unique and, and different. Um, it's, it's very, yeah, it's very much a kind of case mm. by case. Um, yeah, thing. It's <laughs> amazing. And how would, I mean, other than the, you know, that they might be really interested in music, how would a child with, um, mm. you know, who's on the autistic spectrum um, that you see sort of experience the world in terms of understanding emotions or, you know, things that you look at, how, how do they experience the world? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think, again, I think it is very much case by case, but I think autistic children can, yeah, thinking of this, of the idea of emotions, I think often um, autistic children can either experience them and, and not know what to do with them and so ignore them and and can sometimes seem, you know, quite monotonous um, in their presentation. Whereas other times like with other children, they might experience the emotion and it really comes out in a very obvious yeah. way, um, whether that, you know, th through being distressed, becoming distressed or, um, you know, all sorts of various ways. Um, and I think, yeah, again, it's very much case by case. Um, but I think the beauty, yeah, again, the beauty of music therapy is really trying to kind of tap into those moments of, you know, what is it that, that this child is feeling? What is it that this child is experiencing? And how can I help them to feel understood in that? Um, and that I'm, I'm with them in that and that mummy or daddy or parent or whoever it is that's with with us in in the room is also here with them in that and is wanting to understand what is going mm -hmm. on for them um because I think it often autism can seem again depending on the child it can seem quite lonely and the child might you know be quite isolated and not understand how to make friends or not seem interested in making friends um and that's something else that yeah we can kind of work towards and think about together in session you mentioned that it is helpful for parents to understand what their child is going through and and from what I know of autism you know that they experience the world differently to um you know you or I um mm. and and parents perhaps uh understanding how it is that they are experiencing it um and what they what they're feeling might be a difficult yeah. thing for parents to um, or carers or for any of us to to know because it is different from our experience and and we don't know you know um any any other way and it sounds like equipping them to go okay well this is maybe how they're experiencing it and he has a way that you can be with them in that or you know engage with them in that um it sounds like a, such an important thing for parents yeah I think it really is and I think especially when the child expresses those big emotions in a really obvious way. And I think often that can almost seem kind of too much for a parent to handle on a day-to-day -day basis. And I really fully, you know, understand that. And, and I think, you know, getting from A to B, just as a parent, I imagine that you just, you have to do what all you can, all you can do. And that's, 
that's enough yeah um but yeah. also there are there are ways yeah of 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 meeting that emotion and rather than just shutting it down um actually really yeah. saying you know okay I can see that you're distressed I can see that you're upset I can see that you're tired but we're here we're together yeah. and you know choosing the tone of your voice um trying to calm yeah. calm the child down and 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 show them that you understand what they might be experiencing rather than just shutting down the emotion yeah that's yeah, yeah, can be really helpful and really important. Yeah. Are there some tips or, uh, you know, strategies that you use or uh, often that you would have for parents in doing that? Yeah, I suppose, yeah, what I kind of just talked through of, of not um, not shutting down what the child might be expressing yeah. um, and kind of, I guess, learning. learning you, the parents know their child way better than anyone else and actually learning what it might be that that child is trying to express you know they might be hungry they might be tired they might be feeling really sad mm-hmm. and actually trying to put especially if the child is non-verbal mm-hmm. trying to put words around what it is they might be feeling yeah. um so, you know I wonder if you're feeling sad yeah um and, and kind of mirroring that with your body language and with your voice mm. uh, and and trying to help that child know that you're there with them yeah and that you're sitting with them and that you don't want to shut shut down and stop the emotion it's not they're not feeling what they're feeling is not bad it's it's valid it's totally valid and they're allowed to feel whatever they feel yeah but just trying to contain that trying to make sense of it for them yeah uh, and reflect that back to them can be really helpful yeah and I guess in that way you're also modeling how to deal with emotions because when we I mean, we can show them, oh, I'm feeling angry or I'm feeling tired or whatever it is. And this is how we deal with it, it can be a really uh, just practical way to reflect it back to them or show them how to, yeah. uh, you know, cope with that. Yeah. And I think that's all part of learning how to listen to your child as well, how to listen to to what might be going on for them. Mm. And, and rather than, especially if the child is nonverbal, rather than just guessing, actually just taking a moment, just stopping and thinking, okay um there's actually a really helpful ac- um it's an acronym mm-hmm. when you yeah oh actually, yeah um of owl whereas observe wait and listen yeah so actually like looking with your eyes of you know okay what's what are they experiencing right now are they having a paddy on the floor are they really still what is it that's going on mm. and then just wait rather than you know responding straight away mm. just waiting taking a deep breath and then listening to them effectively and um, hearing whatever they have to say mm. or whatever it is that they're trying to express mm. um, can, be, can often be really helpful as well. Mm. And are there any things that uh, parents could do, uh, you know, incorporating music perhaps or uh, into their daily lives or working with their kiddies who uh, might have additional needs or, you know, to targeting these sort of things uh, that you have, you know, you could tell us about? Yeah. So, well, I mean, I feel like most children love songs and nursery rhymes and singing and things. Um, and songs can be just the most useful thing at home. Um, and I think especially when um, for autistic children, kind of making them aware maybe of, of what it is that you'd like them to do, um, or what it is that um, you're trying to kind of lead them on to next. So whether it's like having a tidy up song or having a like, you know, bedtime song or a dinner time song. Um, and making sure that each each of the songs has a different tune. Yeah. Um, so taking like a nursery rhyme and changing the words 
um, or making up your own one because actually the children learn the melodies of songs before they learn the words, especially, you know, if they're nonverbal. So actually, yeah, making sure that each each tune is different. So if you're using the same song, it's going to be very confusing for the child. So making sure that you have a different song for tidying up time and a different song for dinner time and a different song for bedtime, um, I think would, yeah, just really clarify things in their mind um, as what it is that's coming up next. For parents who might be feeling a bit out of their depth that they don't sing or that they don't have tambourines or musical instruments mm. at home or that they may, may not know mm. a lot of nursery rhymes, um, is it something that you could be quite flexible mm. with? Or um, Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> YouTube's amazing. <laughs> Go on YouTube. There's yeah. all sorts of exciting things on there. Um, and, you, yeah, you can get creative with it if you, if you don't like singing. Um, there are all sorts of other ways of doing it. Um, yeah, whack some songs on. Um, and that's, yeah, that's definitely another way of going, getting around it. I find whenever I'm, I'm called on to do a nursery rhyme, all or, or songs or all of the songs and nursery rhymes I've ever learned, suddenly my mind goes blank and I can't think of a single one except for something that is probably not appropriate or like oh, yeah. a bad one that I don't want to remember. <laughs> um, I know I in my therapy I, I use a lot of yeah. um or I hear a lot of yeah. um wind the bobbin up which has become one of my uh, hates pet hates just oh, like hear it yeah. so often and then when people ask me to oh, yeah. uh, think of a nursery rhyme or sing a song oh, that's yeah. the only song I can think of in that moment <laughs> so it's really useful I yeah oh. I'm gonna search YouTube for some other ones um is there anything else that parents could do at home practically um you know from a musical therapy point of view Mm. that you would encourage uh yeah good question I think so um using songs but also encouraging musical play at home again it doesn't need to be epic you don't need to kind of buy loads of instruments um you can make little shakers you can get um you know pringles tube or like a smarties tube and fill it with some rice and it stick the top of it down and it becomes a shaker or get uh, give your child some um wooden spoons and they can hit on a saucepan and there's all sorts of ways of making instruments at home um and I think yeah. just taking time to do that with them I know you know parents have a million and one things to do in the day mm. but actually just you know putting putting screens down and sitting with your child and like taking it in turns to you know to play Play on a pan with some wooden spoons or um singing along to to a nursery rhyme or whatever it is like I think um children they just love interaction don't they and, and mm. crave connection um and I think any yeah. any little musical things you can do with them um are just so precious and make the world a difference yeah that's incredible that is so helpful I think um probably a I know from my experience, often when there's shaking or banging of pots and that sort of thing, we kind of go, shh, stop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so maybe like what you said of crafting specific times where you lean yeah. into that and you go, okay, we're going to bang pots and we're going to shake things and I'm going to yeah. be here doing that with you. And it's our special yeah. time instead of, you know, going, oh, no, we're not banging pots. I'm on a, 
a Zoom call or, you know, totally. <laughs> having yeah, that's not why. Don't do it while you have a work meeting. No. Um, <laughs> so that sounds like a really practical thing that parents can also do in crafting uh, mm. time in addition to using, you know, what you said of using nursery rhymes or songs or music to introduce activities or, you know, prompt next activity mm. and um bedtime and those sorts of things uh, and listening to big emotions so I, that is yeah. that three things oh and observing waiting and listening so four mm. amazing tips from you Georgie thank you oh pleasure um before we um finish here I want to ask you when you're working with children I know that you see them for a, a, maybe a couple of weeks or for some sessions um but mm. and the parents see them you know, work on these things, the goals that you give them um, for, you know, every day at home. And it might be uh, quite a long journey or um, and having, you know, many highs and lows in that. Are there some things that you do as a therapist that sort of help you to maintain that hope, to maintain that focus on what um, for that child and, and getting to where you're getting? Um, any things that you do that help you and and keep that hope uh, that might be useful for parents yeah definitely I think um, the main thing for me is those little victories the small victories uh, noticing them and just being really thankful for them so whether it's a child that hasn't interacted at all and then they come in and they shake a shaker and they smile and then they go back to not interacting it's like those little small little victories that actually that child that's a really big deal um yeah and it's it's holding on to those little things because I think often yeah. when you look at the big picture it can feel really overwhelming um yeah. I, I imagine especially as a yeah a parent of a child with special needs it can feel really overwhelming and actually just being present and and focusing on those on those small little victories I think um, yeah. definitely helps maintain hope thank you that's so useful I think that um Often it might be it might be discouraging for parents when you you sort of look at other children uh, in your, your child's class or you know uh, family members or peers yeah. and comparing mm. um, your child to to other children can mm. be discouraging because you think oh that is the the comparison whereas actually each child oh, yeah. has you know got their specific goals um, mm. so yeah what you were talking I really relate to what you were talking about um, in focusing on their goals and really celebrating the thing the achievements they've got yeah lastly I wanted to know definitely what you did in lockdown to stay sane I have a suspicion that it might involve music (laughs) am I right (laughs) ah really okay interesting uh I, I did quite a bit of music and I actually played a lot of piano. I did some lots of duets with my, my brother. Was I looked down with um, some of my family. Oh, wow. Um, but I actually also made a patchwork quilt, <laughs> which sounds a bit crazy. Um, but I've always wanted to make one. And I, yeah, I had a sewing machine. And so I got some um, kind of, yeah, cut off. Uh, some fabrics cast off fabrics from a dressmaker and managed to make uh, a patchwork quilt which I love um, but I finished it it took me ages I finished it and I was like right is lockdown over now <laughs> can I go back to normal I'm ready <laughs> yeah I'm ready I finished my project yeah. can we go back to normal 
Um, but yeah, sadly that wasn't the case. Um, but I, yeah, it was really lovely doing, yeah, doing the piano playing and the piano duets, but also doing something with my hands and making, yeah, yeah making well, it was really great. Wow. Your lockdown has yeah. been very creative. Um, I mean, <laughs> there are definitely days when it wasn't that creative, but yeah, I try, I try. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Thank you so much for joining us. I feel so encouraged. I love hearing about music therapy and I think it's such an important field. Um, oh. Yeah, definitely. And using music more to reach uh, kiddies and express. I mean, I feel like I will be using music a lot more intentionally to express my own feelings and, and understand. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. I think you're doing it. Such a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Amy. It's been great. It's been so fun. Thank you for listening to the Growing Hope podcast. To find out more about Growing Hope or to sign up to our monthly newsletter, go to our website, growinghope.org.uk.